Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. The podcast that is 100% not sending Veronique Rabiot a Christmas card. My name is Chris, I am your host, and as you can tell from my slightly sombre tone, it's not coming home. So, we're here to dissect and review and rate, and all that's in between, the, uh, the sad exit to the French national team from Euro 20 slash Euro 2021, whichever you prefer. And, as you may have guessed from my intro, a fair bit has happened since. So, to break that down with me, this week, as always, I've got Mr Jeremy Smith. Hello, Jez. Hello. And Mr Philip Abbey. How are you doing, Phil? Yeah. Hello, everybody. I think that's a good noise to, to get us underway with. Um, so what we're going to do is we're kind of going to go a little bit over the game, first of all. We're not going to go into a huge amount of depth because it's painful for us all as it is. And uh, I, think, I think we're still a little bit a little bit raw, but we will kind of break down the game. And then we're, we're going to focus a little bit more on, on what happens next. So let's uh, let's start with the game itself then. Uh, Phil, I'll start with you on this one. So it was kind of a little bit bonkers in the end. I don't think anyone really expected a high scoring affair. I mean, I certainly didn't, but if you'd have said it would have ended 3-3 after uh, after normal time and then ultimately a penalty shootout. We'll cover the penalties in a minute, but I just can't the game... Help, I can't help wondering what odds you'd have got on a 3-3. Oh, my word. I don't even... Um... Yeah. Can you imagine what, what odds you'd have got? Especially... And one team to win on pens as well. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about just, just the game in general. I mean, what are your, your feelings? Because... I'll probably cover my thoughts on, on how the scoring went in a minute, but Switzerland went in front. Obviously, France then turned the game on its head in, in the space of, of two minutes, seemingly had locked the game up, then managed to throw it all away again and ultimately go out on pens. What was your kind of just overall yeah. emotion of the game itself? Yes, I think that was exactly what you you said. And we, we've seen um, sort of flashes of brilliance from the French team and, you know, that two-minute spell after the restart and then Pogba's amazing third goal. You're thinking, right, this is it, this is it. Because I've, just to kind of be a bit more conceptual, if you'll allow me, I've missed the last couple. Um, throughout this tournament, people have been saying, oh, we don't want to face the French. The French are really good. Oh, we don't want to face the French. They look like they've got another gear. And it's like, well, theoretically, that it, that is the case. They could be fabulous, but look at what they've actually done and does the practice prove what you're saying? And I think that's what we saw in this game. Um, I know our, our good friend Tarek, who writes about Lyon, often refers to them as being consist consistently inconsistent. I think with France, you've got a situation where they're predictable. Apart from the fullbacks, which is unpredictable, but in a really unhelpful way. So what we saw here was that they looked smoking. They looked comfortable. They were 3-1 up. There's 10 minutes to go. Everything is cool. Everything is fine. And then what the fuck happened next? It was a very humiliating experience, I think, and just very difficult to explain and gives you many, many questions about 
selections and lineups and structure which we have seen throughout the tournament but up until now they just about got away with it but against a Swiss team who incidentally were very good mm, uh, yeah. Jan Sommer um, you know has been a key player for them throughout the tournament and was was very good um, this evening as well it, it was you know, 26 shots to 13 uh, it just there's something there's something wrong Mm. Uh, that we saw here and this match pretty much encapsulated the nervousness that I think many of us had felt throughout the group stage. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot from, I would suggest. Chesa, just going to ask you a straightforward, blunt question. At 3-1, was it complacency? Was it arrogance? Or was it just simply football? Where, you know, I, I genuinely think if, if Switz, I know this is a bit of an obvious thing to say, but I think if Switzerland don't score the second, they certainly don't equalise. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that's like an obvious statement, but I mean, if, if, if they hadn't have got that second goal, no matter, even if they'd have got it straight away, I just don't think they'd have equalised in the situation they're in. That, that second goal just changed the whole momentum of the game and you could kind of feel it coming. And, and what do you, do you put that down to the French just, just switching off? Because looking back at the game, I've watched it, I've watched it twice since in terms of highlights and it just feels like they kind of just were like, yeah, we've done this. We've done the hard work. We don't, it's not, we don't need to try, but we don't need to put too much effort in because Switzerland are gone and, and they weren't gone. So what do you put that down to? And is it a mentality thing? I think that there's an element of that. I mean, I'd, I'd suggest more to the point, if France don't score their third, Switzerland don't score their second. True. Yeah. Um, because maybe France would stay a little bit more on it. Mm. But I don't... Uh, maybe complacency. I, I'm not sure about arrogance. I mean, that there's some reports that sort of Deschamps and Pogba were kind of having a, a sort of discussion even after the third goal, after France's third goal. You know, Deschamps was saying uh, sort of let's, you know, it's not long now, let's sit back and defend. And Pogba was supposedly kind of saying the defence is a bit dodgy, let's keep attacking, that's the best form of defence. So I don't think it was an entirely, you know, we've got this match won at all. Um, as you said, you know, the, the, the match should have turned on that sort of five-minute spell where Loris saved a penalty and France scored two goals. And, you know, out of an you take that five minutes and I guess the little spell after and France were mostly dominant, but for most of the match, it certainly wasn't like France were sort of walking all over Switzerland and, and the three one was reflective of the, of the way the match was going. So it wasn't a massive shock to see Switzerland, you know, still have something to say for themselves, mm -hmm. but at three one, the world champions and the team that France have, they shouldn't be throwing that, that kind of thing away and as Phil said I think it sort of speaks to maybe a nervousness and other issues that have been going on throughout the whole tournament mm. yeah yeah I, I think that's 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 well summed up and um just just sticking with you before I go back to Phil with a different question in terms of the the overall performance do you do you kind of agree that it was one of those where you know France had that that spell didn't they just after half time we got the 
a fantastic um, Benzema improvised finish, like sensational bit of control. But you know, he he was not really in the game until that point, which is a weird thing to say. He then gets the second goal. Pogba scores that exceptional long range third, and I think celebrated four times. Bless him. I mean, he to be fair to him, he's been immense all tournament and was was brilliant again on the night, albeit conceded possession for the third goal or second goal. Sorry, but did you sort of get that feeling that France were almost just just playing in second gear and and maybe that's what contributed them to them not being able to raise it again particularly in extra time although once again Coleman with that last minute chance there was that unbacking chance in extra time is that a case that you can't play like this you can't sit in second gear and then all of a sudden transition up to to third fourth fifth gear like you have to start as you need to go on I don't really believe in this second gear stuff I mean France played Germany in their first match. They played Hungary in Hungary in 35 degrees in their second match. Mm. They played Portugal also in ridiculous heat in a match that still had quite a bit of bearing. I don't think France... I mean, arguably, the problem was that France weren't able to slip through the gears, unlike other countries that had a ridiculously easy group stage as well as playing at home. So I don't believe that France were ever playing in second gear. And I think maybe that that was part of the problem. I just think this match was sort of, I think, kind of, you know, we were going to discuss this match and then discuss the, the wider picture. But I think it's difficult to separate the two because I think there are lots of things about this match that were almost a sort of microcosm of, of France in this tournament. Like Mbappe was diabolical, yet still effectively set up two goals. Benzema will come to it, but again, not his fault, but I think affected the balance of the team, yet scored two brilliant goals. Pogba was France's best player, yet did absolutely nothing to help the defence and it was his fault that they conceded the third goal. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there were there were sort of bigger problems. There's, there's, you know, when it, when a team, certainly a supposedly better team, goes out of a tournament early, there's usually a hell of a lot of reasons, and I think we could list probably, you know, ten ten reasons of of various sort of strengths for why France got knocked out. But um, they, yeah, they, 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 and I'm happy for, for us to go through them, but they, they didn't, you know, they won one of four matches. They didn't particularly, imp- Germany, I thought they were very good, but the other three matches, they didn't really do enough to even look like potential winners, let alone obviously get through to the quarters. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that is a fair point. You know, you, you can't just... Uh... You can't just sort of coast by on your reputation alone. Phil, just... Um, well, I don't, just to be fair, I don't think they were doing that. And no, actually, no, I, I will come to it with Deschamps, but in a way, they might have been better served by coasting by on their reputation alone. Mm. Yes, I can see what you mean, actually. Yeah, yeah I do. I do take that point. Um, Phil, I want to kind of break. Uh, I'm going to give Jez the attack, so that means you get the short, scro- short straw. And I'm going to give you the defence... Oh, excuse me. Hmm. Is there a, is there I, a concern have notes there? here about fullbacks? Well, that, there you go. That's, that's kind of seamless then. Um, yeah. Was there a question, or shall I just, you know? Uh, my, my main, my main question is, is whether well, two questions. Was there looking back? It's all hindsight. Was there a 
an issue with selection from the start in terms of the squad, which we did kind of cover, but it's worth highlighting again. And on the night, I mean, what's happened to Benjamin Pavard? He was never really a, a right back, but he's had a horrible time. Um, Kimpembe had kind of one of those nights where at times he was great and other times I just panicked when he was near the ball. Varane's had a mixed tournament, thought he was pretty decent overall in the night, but again, when it matters most. And maybe we'll spare Clement Longley a mention because I don't think we really need to mention it other than the fact, yikes. I mean, I like him as a defender, but why he doesn't jump, I I mean, I, I have no words for that. So... I guess my question is, where, where do you think it all went wrong defensively and, and why? Well, I think I've been looking... I know that Jez has um, a common lament, which is that, the, in a sense, the, the structure you set up in is just where people stand for the kickoff. And I do, to a certain extent, agree with that. But I've been looking at the pass maps from uh, Between the Posts, very good follow on Twitter and their website as well, and which show the average position of the players on the pitch throughout the game. And it's, it's all a little bit weird. Um, we knew that obviously Mbappe is getting further forward and you've got Benzema and Griezmann, two of the most creative attacking players you could have, dropping very deep. And it was only really in this last match where they were playing allegedly five at the back that they managed to get forward. But I think the, you know, the the centre-back pairing is what it is. They brought Clement Longley in for this, the game at Switzerland and everybody I know who supports Barcelona was like, the fuck? And I think that was a problem. And when you turn out with, I know there were injuries, I know there were three left-backs played against Portugal, but Benjamin Pavard, as you say, is not really a right-back. He's a centre-back who can play right-back. So playing him at right-wing-back is, you know, pushing that even further. Kwande is a rookie centre-back who everybody says he can play right-back. I know he's done it for France, but he didn't play the door for Sevilla. And... Adrian Rabio, who to me, I was quite impressed because obviously we know in the past he's ducked out of teams because he wanted to be a starter and play in his favoured position. Actually putting his hand up and saying, yeah, I'll go at left back after the two left backs have gone off injured. Reasonably impressed with that. But it just wasn't solid enough. And I was listening to the football ramble and British uh, and Hunter Roger, his, his analysis was France has got an attack and a defence and they don't really talk to each other or work together. Now, I thought that was a bit harsh because we have seen throughout the tournament that France's attackers and midfield and defensive midfield have all kind of been treading on each other's toes and the first match was a 2-6-1-1 or something ridiculous like that when you look at the actual positions but there did appear to be in a sense a lack of responsibility from from the forwards to help the defense uh, at times and to be fair that defense needs some help so it's a lot of help <laughs> based on what we what we saw the other night um 
Jez, I'm going to give you the attack, but I do just want to ask you one other quick thing on the defence. Can you can you make any? We'll come on to Deschamps in a minute, but can you make any defence for the the system that was set up? I mean, I I think I think I know what the, what he was trying to do, but I mean, it just it just didn't work, did it? It was just it's just a mess. Like I just don't I just don't know what what could have been achieved by it. Could, could you see what was trying to be done? Again, I think we'll come back to, to Deschamps in a bit, but the fact is that for whatever reasons, what whatever happened in the group stage wasn't working either. Mm. Um, and Switzerland are playing three at the back, and I think Deschamps had an idea about sort of matching them and seeing that the defence was fragile in the previous matches. Um, I can see him sort of wanting to strengthen the defence. But in order to do that, that's fine as long as they're all sort of clicking and the, the wing-backs are sort of pushing, are able to push forward more. And I do think Hernandez is capable of doing that. Pava, I'm not so sure. Although, you know, he's not a fullback, but he is a World Cup winning fullback. So it's not like he's completely useless. He's... You know, in a major tournament, he has very much stepped up to the plate. I just think in this tournament, he was found wanting, which may or may not also have been um, sort of, uh, I don't know, exacerbated by by being knocked out in the first match and, and sort of almost knocked out in the second match as well, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, in his defence. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the defence is an issue and... and it's kind of ironic because everyone slags off Deschamps for being too defensive and guess what it was probably the defence in a way that let him down more than anything else but I wouldn't go so far as to say that the attack and the defence don't speak to each other I think that's just a a really flippant thing to say by whoever it was on Football Ramble Um, you know if you were to say that to Griezmann I think you'd be he'd be entitled to to give you a bit of a punch um, maybe Benzema and Mbappe, fine, but I think to say that to Griezmann is the height of disrespect. I would argue more of the issue is the midfield. And, uh, you know, I've said that I think Pogba was fantastic looking forwards and arguably because of how Griezmann was treated, and we'll come back to that later, um, he was arguably France's main creative outlet, but I don't think he did enough defensively. And... I'm going to say it, I'm going to blaspheme. I thought Conte had a really underwhelming tournament and I thought he was awful against uh, Switzerland. I thought he looked really tired. Uh, and, and I know, well, and that, to, to most I people know the saying, tiredness is one of the things that's coming up a lot. And that's yeah. fair, but it goes for other countries as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and when I say tired, I don't mean like, you know, tired from Golo Kante for us is like, you know near death i mean the guy's got an engine but he, he just looked he looked sort of like sort of emotionally tired as well if you get what i mean like he didn't he didn't seem to move the board quite as much speed and and thought he was still working hard i mean that's what he does but yeah i'm not i mean I'm, again all these reasons i'm not going to put put it down necessarily as one of the reasons but i really don't and i don't know whether it came from abroad or from france or where but i really don't think all this Conte for Ballon d'Or bollocks that came up beforehand did France mm. any favours. And I almost get the impression that 
um, you know, maybe without sort of going into conspiracy theories, that maybe some other countries bigged up France and their chances on purpose, knowing that it could sort of swell a few egos. Yeah, and also take the pressure off them because this is very much a tournament that realistically, you know, other countries like for me, Belgium and Italy should be deemed as favourites, not just in terms of what they're doing in this tournament already. I mean, Christ, you, you probably would say... I'm so be. sad they're facing each other in the next round. You know what? I don't care who wins it as long as it's not England. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, Ukraine can win it at this point. I don't I just like... If I hear... They have Ukraine in the work sweeps. Well, there you go. I hope they win it then. If I hear one more person tell me that... Prize. Tell me England are, are the best team in the tournament, I'm, I'm going to scream... But um, England but, yeah. the most advantaged team in the tournament. They're playing practically the whole thing. Every home there. game, yeah. Um, and have stank every game out. And... and even the one game they've got not at home is fucking Ukraine, who just had to play 120 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, lesser teams sometimes. And they've got they the struggle. easier side of the draw. Yeah, yeah, true. We can but hope that Italy and Belgium do as well. I feel we have to address the... Um, well, there's, there's actually th- th- this room that oh, we're in I today. Never, sorry, I never actually got to the attack, did I? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> well, I was going to, do you want me to set you up? Because I was going to transition into the attack anyway. Because yeah, I, I was just going to say, we, we've got, we're, we're in a room today, dear listener, that um, is, is full to the brim of elephants. There's a lot of elephants in our room today, unfortunately. Mm. And, and one of them uh, is arguably the best striker in, in, in the world in terms of reputation, if nothing else. Uh Jess, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna see eye to eye and eyes apart on this one because I think I'm gonna agree with a lot of what you're gonna say and I think I'm gonna slightly disagree on some of it. We'll we'll, we'll focus on Kylian Mbappe first of all because I know you want to discuss Benzema as well. From Mbappe's point of view, um, in terms of his tournament, I think it's very fair to say he's been poor, and I think it's also fair to say that you know we're not gonna bring the tiredness thing up again, but he has had a very long season. Um, I don't think he helped himself in terms of how he, we've been through this, haven't we? And I'm sure you'll mention it, the whole Neymarism, the trying to do everything himself, the extra step over, the, even the, he's even starting to develop the Ronaldo shrug, as I like to call it, the, the expressions, the Henri type of gestures, uh, which, you know, are great if you're Thierry Henry, but maybe not if you're a 22 year old still finding your way in the game. But from the penalty point of view, I never fancied him. It just didn't. The game he'd had, I thought the chance he missed in extra time was a really guilt-edged chance he should have taken. However, all of that said, and by all means you can you can discuss his game on the night, I, I do think some of the criticism being levelled at him is bordering on ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, who's won a World Cup at 22, who's, you know, won multiple domestic titles, he's been a golden boy, He's he's got so much ahead of him, and every great player has a lull in their career. Every great player has a moment where it just doesn't go for them. What do you, what did you make of his performance in his tournament? And what do you see this sort of changing his future? Because I've got this horrible feeling that in a couple of weeks on a beach, he might look at it and go, do you know what? I need to leave France because I need to reinvent my career and go again. That's my, my big worry. Not that anyone can afford him. So what, what's your thoughts on him? And by all means, if you want to, transition into Benzema as well feel free I think that I still think it's unbelievable that there's people who really don't rate him as a footballer yeah. uh, you know I wasn't surprised to see 
Barney Renee take his head out of his own ass for two seconds to, to slag him off, for example. Um, I, I had a Spurs fan friend of mine say how he's not a natural finisher, unlike, guess who, Harry Kane. Um, he is a natural finisher. He just, in terms of finishing, had a diabolical tournament. It happens. You know, I recently watched an interview with Platini where they talked about his um, his Euro 84 performance and France's win and they were like you know is this the highlight of your career and he's like no because you know I look back more fondly on finishing top scorer in Italy or winning Serie A with with Juventus because that's over a whole year for a tournament all you need is for the planets to align just for a few days basically and it works both ways you know that's how Scalacci who did very little the rest of his career finished a World Cup top scorer for example um, you know, some of these things just happen and hopefully Mbappe will bounce back. But yeah, as you said, and, and again, it's the sort of contradiction of, of France and particularly of Mbappe, this tournament. Overall, I think he had a poor tournament. I think he'll look back on it. And with his obsession with goals, I think he'll he'll look back and think he had a poor tournament. But in the first match, he looked the most dangerous player. He scored a goal that was just offside. He set up a goal that was just offside. He should have been given a penalty. In the second match, he pretty much set up the goal. In the third match, um, he, okay, dodgily, but he won a penalty. Um, he, you know, he did as much as anyone else, attacking-wise, for France, yet he'll look back and say he had a, a poor tournament. And it, yeah, like I said, in this match, he set up, he had a part in both goals, but he also missed a sitter, missed another sort of half chance. Um, and I think the real issue with him was the the sort of more all the comments and the mouthing off beforehand. You know, I, I don't think he was entitled to react the way he did to what Giroud did or didn't say. I don't think he was entitled to say the thing about taking penalties and there is some kind of sort of karmic payback for that, even though, you know, good for him for sort of stepping up and having the balls to take it. So I don't I don't sort of condemn him for that at all. Um, I don't think he was entitled to, to take over free kick duties. Um, by all accounts, he insisted on being played um, on the left, which, okay, Deschamps should be able to say, no, you play where I tell you. But again, that's him sort of calling shots. That's all fine as long as you back it up. And I don't think he, although by lots of sort of metrics, he did have a good tournament. I don't think he did enough to justify his own attitude before and during the tournament. And that's my concern. I still think he's a brilliant player. I still think he's a an intelligent guy. So I still hope that he'll he'll bounce back and come good and I think he will but in terms of the PSG thing I think I just yeah I think it's time for him to leave I don't not not because of all this bullshit about France the French league isn't good enough I just think maybe it's time for him to experience something different just to learn from different people and different cultures and and I know I'll get slagged off by PSG fans for it but to get the fuck away from Neymar <laughs> yeah, I, I did wonder if that might come. And I, I do I do definitely get that argument. And you know, I mean we've done Neymar to death and I think most people know my views. I think he's an absolute joy to watch. But 
those times are, are very much limited to when it suits him and certain and every, you know it's, it's the Goldilocks player. Everything has to be just right. Um, did you just want to touch on Benzema as well before I give Phil uh, an opportunity to talk about something slightly different? Because um, I know you, I think you shared similar views to me, didn't you? Wonderful goal in terms of the the technique for that guy is well, sensational. Let's be honest, but he he had moments in a tournament, but ultimately he did he really do enough you know whether it was right that he was picked as late as he was or not did, did he really do enough to make this this team what it should have been because i'm not really sure it did i uh, i genuinely anything i say now i'm not slagging off benzema he scored four goals i think he he did fine he i think his attitude from everything that i could see was impeccable i just Again, it's not his fault. I would say if anyone, if anything, it's Deschamps or maybe the media clamour or whatever. I think he ruined the balance of the team. It's not, you know, Giroud didn't score in the World Cup, but partly thanks to him, Mbappe and Griezmann scored whatever it was, I think maybe eight goals between them, yeah. um, seven, eight goals, something like that. Benzema scored four goals, but between them, the other two scored one. And Griezmann, who is, whatever certain people think, he has been the player that has made France tick. Everything has gone through him the last three, four years, was basically either pushed off to the side or defend, or having to kind of fulfil a defensive brief or having Benzema sort of practically stepping on his toes every time he gets into his favoured central position. So it's not to slag off Benzema as a person or a player because I think he did a decent job in both cases. I just think that the balance of the front three was thrown off. And yeah, you can say, well, if Deschamps was thinking of bringing him back, he should have done it earlier. First of all, he only decided to bring him back after the poor, relatively poor performances in March. And by the nature of international football, but especially this season, how is he meant to bring him back any earlier? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He wasn't able to. Um, and secondly, can't remember what secondly is. Um, I genuinely can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I think, um, I think, I think yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I think everything that Benzema brought to the team, and this isn't, again, this isn't a pro Giroud agenda. I just think he, as much as he brought, he took away, and not not his fault, not personally. I just don't think those front three work together and I'm not sure that however much practice um, they got together would have changed that and I do think there's an ego element as well with all three yeah 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 which is you know I don't have an issue with that they're three of the best strikers in the world I don't think you get to that point without having an ego Mm. Um, it's how you manage it though isn't it it's how you you conduct it at the time which um seamlessly Phil leads me into uh where do we go (laughs) from here because um I mean where to begin so I mentioned her at the off. Uh, Adrian Rabio's mum has been talking again. It's very unlike her, you know. Oh, she's usually just, reserved can we, and quiet. Can we not? Well, I I, th- I feel like we have mm. to mention purely because not so much what she has said, but it, it, it's a it's a bigger issue than that in terms of what it means. It is if what she's suggesting has gone on. There was discussions about you know players falling out. That there was some disharmony in the camp. That there was concern about who was playing where. About who'd been selected, 
Um, there was talk that Mbappe wasn't consoled after the penalty, which I must admit I was listening to uh, Julian Laurent was talking about this and saying that that's an absolute myth. He was consoled by his teammates. It just wasn't. Yes, he was. They just yeah. chose one picture where there was only Dean there, but he was exactly, consoled. and it wasn't on the TV coverage. But but my 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 question really, Phil, is is do we is there a bit of a systemic issue here in that any great team, and there has been a great, there have been many great teams in the past that have succeeded at the high level, they have to almost refresh the squad on a regular basis, potentially refresh the manager on a regular basis, if for nothing else to stop this sort of petty continuity that, that inbreeds after a while where players start to get a little bit too comfortable with each other, start to question each other a bit more and, and you know, and push each other that maybe not as far as they, as they would previously on the pitch, but they do press the buttons off the pitch. So it's not so much about Ravio's mum, it's more the, the the bigger issue that could be at play here. I don't necessarily think you need to be refreshing the squad more than is needed for people's age and form. Because I think if you've got a decent manager, you should be able to cope with that. There is always going to be a degree of refresh but you shouldn't be binning people and bringing in youngsters just to try to stop there being arguments over the table tennis table. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I think what we saw in this one is when Deschamps brought Benzema back into the fold, that may have been something that did signal a degree of weakness from him. It may have been the most sensible decision, but what he'd said previously meant it might look like weakness. We do know that Giroud, much as I love him, does appear to be quite a petty, prim little shit at times. And everybody's got an ego and everybody's got a character and they do tend to be quite vocal about these things. I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for somebody like you know, maybe Benjamin Pavar, who just kind of turns up, tries to do his job out of position, and then the shit rains down around him. You know, it's it must be quite a strange situation, but it is one that France has always had. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say, you know, you don't bin people because because the manager can't get the team to talk to each other. I mean, that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. So, so Jez, does that lead to the, the I'm not, classic? I just say, I'm not sure Giroud is the issue. I think... No, I, I'm just saying that he can be a bit of a prissy. He, he uh, has that side of him. He, he had that at Arsenal for sure. But Yeah, but, but I, I, don't, I don't think you can say that unless you've got a basis for saying that he's been causing any trouble. I was just going to say, I, I think I would say ever a lot reason. Also, I think probably other first-teamers, I think people like Mbappe, who expect to be the, you know, the, the main headline player and suddenly everyone's talking about Benzema. And it's, it's not like Giroud did anything, is it? It's not like he, it's not like he brought this on by saying you know, no, he wasn't was the one who called himself... He didn't call himself a go-kart, did he? <laughs> you know, like... And, you know, you look at the way that, by all accounts, he was the most vocal player on the bench. He was, you know, still sort of life and soul. Um, in... I still think he should have started against Hungary. But, you know, 
I just I don't know about Beckham weakness, but I think I just think he second guessed himself far too much. Mm -hmm. I think the 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 thing with Benzema is like I said. I'm trying to remember. I read at the start of the tournament. It might have been again. I think it might have been a sort of Platini throwback where. You know, at one point, everything was about Platini and the other players were like, what, are we just turning up to, you know, to put the cones out or whatever? And I think there was an element of Deschamps before the tournament trying to sort of big up other players. But again, I think the media were making it all about Benzema or even making it all about the front three and the rest of the team was forgotten about. And I think that maybe was a source of tension and maybe did affect some of the performances in midfield and defence. And... um Again, the, the ironic thing is that's what Deschamps has built his success on. And I think he, in a way, I, I read someone say that in a way he was saved by, he's been saved by the fact that Benzema had a good tournament. So at least, you know, if they'd gone out in the second round and Benzema hadn't been there, then everyone would have said, oh, it's because you didn't pick Benzema. Um at least he did pick Benzema. Benzema scored four goals, so he can't be sort of criticised for that. But I kind of wish he'd stuck to his guns more. You know, this is how I've done it. This is how it worked three years ago. Again, all this bullshit about entertaining football. France scored 11 (laughs) goals in the knockout stages in um, 2018. I, I looked it up. Do you know how many goals Spain scored in the knockout stages in 2010? Wasn't it two? Four. They won every match 1-0, and the last one was a 120th minute winner. That's right. It's, it, it depends how you define entertaining, but if it's just insipid possession football where you're not even looking to score goals, who cares? France, at least, were built on defensive solidity and exciting, really speedy, counter-attacking football. And although... Obviously, they didn't back it up with the goals. It's kind of what they did in Germ- against Germany. But then I think partly it is partly because of injuries. It is partly because of trying to accommodate the front three, although that's kind of his fault for bringing Benzema back, if fault is the right word. But I think all of those things combined meant that Deschamps suddenly wasn't working with his with the sort of basics that, or the foundations that he's always worked from. And so when the manager is kind of not 100% sure what to do next, the players aren't going to be either. Do you think, do you think style matters? Because, I mean... No, I, I don't. I th- especially in international football, I absolutely mm. don't. It yeah. matters if you're going to finish second so you can be remembered like Holland in 74 or, you know, they weren't second, but Brazil in 82. But what matters... Do you think, like, England fans, if... if England bore everyone to the to the trophy in a couple of weeks playing the way they're playing at the moment. Do you think any England fans are going to give a shit about the style of football? Well this this, this is kind of this is kind of where I'm going with this because I, I I'm kind of with you like I, no nobody looks back now and says, you know, France won the last world cup, oh they were boring. And and I've had a lot of um fun people on my timeline sort of saying that that you know France well they never turned up and they you know they didn't entertain all this and, and a lot of them mysteriously are England fans and I'm sort of sat there going hang on a minute people in glass houses it's true what they say isn't it no nobody nobody really remembers the performances I mean I, I look back and think to 
even if I even if I look back and think back to domestic football and, and I think back to our Invincibles team at Arsenal, and sure, I remember some of the great performances, but you talk to a Newcastle fan or a Leeds fan or a Brighton fan and yourself, you probably couldn't tell me the notable performances in the Invincibles run. Could you? you could just tell me that, that they went the season unbeaten, whereas I could name you 50, 60 games because I'm a fan. And well, I guess that's the same for international football. You can remember certain moments but you just ultimately remember the, the triumph don't you but also i think you know that invincibles team also had a fucking good defense and Vieira sitting in front of them and yeah. Roberto Silva sitting in front of them My, we could don't have win them anything France. just with attacks and certainly in international football where you've barely got any opportunities to form any kind of relationships and understandings and telepathy or whatever it is it's going to be even harder so you have to base it on a good defense there's hardly any teams that have won anything internationally without a good defense mm. that spain team was insipid going forward because they chose to be but also because they didn't need to score more than one goal because they had a really good defense that weren't conceding any goals mm. the final and after that's, well. and that's kind of what went wrong here because this ridiculous notion that Deschamps is you know who I got told off by fans the other day for because someone said that um, Deschamps straightjacketed his team and only Pogba and Benzema escaped from the straightjacket. And I said that was a bullshit take. It is a bullshit take because if anything, Deschamps tried to pander to all those people. Um, you know, to paraphrase Benzema, I think I might have said it last week, but you know, there's that famous quote by Benzema that Deschamps pandered to the racist side of France. Deschamps' problem, was he never did that, but now his problem in bringing Benzema back was that he pandered to all the people who say the entertainment isn't good enough. And he was silly for doing that because he did try to make the entertainment better and it didn't work and it threw off the balance of the whole of the rest of the team. And that's happened every time. First match of the World Cup against Australia, he pandered, he dropped Giroud. He had, I think it was Mbappe, Griezmann and Dembele up front and it didn't work because you need to have a strong defence and you need everyone mucking in and you need your attack um, running back and helping your defence um, where, where, you know, when you lose the ball and when it's needed. And none of that was... And that was the issue in that Australia match. And I think that's been the issue in these matches as well. And I wish, but I, I'm surprised at him, but I wish Deschamps had kind of stuck to his own guns and his own instincts more. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Uh... Everyone would love to win a tournament playing beautiful champagne football, but it rarely has ever happened. And, you know, even Brazil in 1970, they still, all right, dodgy keeper, but they still had a decent enough defence. They still had, you know, Carlos Alberto. They still had Claudio Aldo. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was a rubbish defence. Bunch of cloggers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mean, that's that's something that's very easily, easily forgotten. And that leads us nicely into the the question then, Phil. What I mean, what what happens with with Deschamps now? I mean. So some people say he should be under pressure. Other people say absolutely not. You know, he should be where he is. And then there's the Zidane brigade who automatically just assume that because of his, you know, influence and, and his history with with France, that he is going to be the shining light. He's available. He's waited for the job, etc. And so on. Where do you sort of sit I, on this argument? I think there is an argument that Deschamps should be not under pressure in a kind of media get him out kind of way but 
there should be an alternative. We shouldn't be sticking with Deschamps just because he's there. However, as we, we often say when, you know, premiership managers are sacked mid-season, you only sack someone if you've got the replacement lined up. Nice right? Spurs. Well, Sorry, I had to throw that in there. only sack someone if you've got the replacement lined up. That's the only sensible way to go about it. Um, yep. And is Zidane right? I We don't know. He's done a pretty good job at club level. Um, he would have the same kind of allure as a former World Cup winner. Um, he might be able to, in a sense, exert slightly more pressure on the players, maybe, than Deschamps, who does strike me as sometimes someone excuse me, um, who maybe is a bit too diplomatic, which might sound strange, but, you know, you get the impression that some French players do need someone just to yell at them occasionally. Mm. I don't know. But who else is there? If we we say that Deschamps goes and it's not Zidane, who else could take that job? I mean, I think yeah. it depends if you want to go outside of, of French nationality, but I think... I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, Wenger's no. been... Uh, he's the only other one that I would... Yeah, being, he's been a pundit throughout the, the tournament and being very cagey mm. um, about things. But it's yeah, a good fit, isn't is it? Yeah, I think it's a good fit, this Arsene Wenger. I've seen a few people tweet and say you know, imagine this team under Wenger, which I think is a bit harsh on Deschamps because I do think he's had a bit of a, a rough ride. And, and I, I want to get your take on this as well, Jez, actually, because I know you, you've been a very, you know, you've been very staunch in your defence of Deschamps and I, and I get why. And I've gone back and forth. Originally, I thought I'm not so sure. And, and then, you know, I've come around to his ideas because I do think that he gets an, an unfair amount of criticism for a job that I think he's actually done very, very well in. And again, let's not forget, he is a current reigning world champion. Is there any argument for you to, to take the Zidane route to sort of, you know, blow it up and start again? I mean, do we need, or, or does Deschamps need to look look outside of his comfort box a bit and say, actually, I need to start looking at, at younger players um, in terms of, you know, coming in as first team, not just the fringes? Do we need to start looking at a revolution and, and bringing through some more players that are going to take the places of some players that maybe, you know, Loris is probably one that, that you'd look at and go, how many more tournaments has he got left in him? Ben Tamara is obviously ageing. Rabiot, there's a few, isn't there? Is, is it the time to rev- revolution or is it just the time for continuity and just to calm down a little bit? I think that um, we've got the Nations League later in the year, which everyone knows is the real tournament. To oh, win. that's a, I mean, it's a belter, isn't it? Yeah, um, wasn't that on the um, Portugal shirts? So France are in the semi-final. <laughs> wow. Um, there's the World Cup, as we said, only only next year. It's not mm. that, that long now. Um, I would definitely stick with Deschamps as long as he's still got the authority. That's so as, lo- as long as the players still listen to him. Really, really for point. me, that's the only question. Because, you know, 
some people have made a big fuss. I don't think they should have done, but some people have made a fuss about Coman refusing to go off straight away. Um, there's the issue of whether Mbappe dictated where he played, for example. They're my only issues. I mean, to me, I think Deschamps actually has got more natural authority than, than Zidane, other than the fact that Zidane is Zidane. But I'm not sure he's the type that does shout at players or anything. Um, and to me, it's still a weird thing to say because you look at what he's done at Real Madrid, but I'm really not convinced that he's an international manager. Mm. Everyone a little has... bit too to Vieira almost in terms of you know a lot of a lot of hype, but ultimately, you know, well, just, everyone everyone criticizes Deschamps for you know he's a good man manager, but he's got no tactical now. So I think that that seems to me more true of Zidane than than, than it does of Deschamps. He's won um, it with teams built for him, hasn't he, Zidane? It's not really. Yeah, I mean, a lot of coaching involved. I'm not sure Zidane would have won the league with Marseille in 2010, whereas I think Deschamps <laughs> could have won the league with Real Madrid whenever, whenever it was that Zidane did. Mm. Um, put it that way, so I just, I would definitely stick with him in terms of renewing. Again, I, I think this is something that, yes, there's certain players like Sissoko that make it look like he's overly obsessed with the same old players, but I do. You, you look. You know, from Euro from Euro 2016 to the World Cup, I think there were only nine players that were in both squads. He does change things. He does bring in young players. It's not his fault that Alwaz had a crap season. It's not his fault that Kamavinga had a crap season. There's these players again. It's to me a lot of this is UK media bigging up these players who, on paper, do look fantastic. But look how shit France were in the under-21s. Just because they're amazing on paper, it doesn't mean that they perform always well and are ready to make that step up to international football. He's given some of these players a taste so they know what they need to do. And it's up to them to, to take that step up. I'm not sure that there's anyone who obviously missed out who maybe should have been a candidate. You know, I, do, I don't... Maybe to freshen things up, bring Menyar in as number one, but it wouldn't be because Loris has done anything to deserve to be dropped for France. Mm. Um, you know, maybe Hernandez or Mendy should have been in the squad and, and could have solved the problem at left back. But you don't, but Hernandez and, and Dean both have deserved their place in the squad, I think. Right back, there isn't anyone else. That's the problem. We said so many times before that's the main problem position for France. Which striker, which young striker deserves to have been in that squad? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for, you know, I think probably it is time to phase Montanda out. It's time, unfortunately, to phase Giroud out. Sissoko has got to be long gone. Although I don't, you know, I, d I don't think it was a silly thing to bring him on the other day. They, he, he should have been able to help to, and France should have been able to hold on to that lead. Um, I Yeah, I, I, I don't think, Deschamps is resistant to bringing uh, youngsters through. I just think there's a lot of sort of truisms that that everyone sort of. It's easy to have a go at him. You know, he looks like Steptoe from Steptoe and Son, and, and slightly <laughs> funny voice and a slightly funny speech impediment and all this kind of thing. But have some fucking respect for everything he's done as a player and as a coach. I don't think enough people do in France, and I certainly don't think enough people do outside France. It's very easy to look on paper, uh, you know, I don't know, 
again, look at look at the midfield of, of France under 21s. Kamavinga, Awa, Kaka and Gwendouzi, sorry. Do any of them deserve to be anywhere near the France squad right now? I don't think so. Not on current form, no. No, not on current form. I mean, yeah, the potential might be there, but um, yeah, current form, it's it's not the case. Um, I do also do just want to say before we, we are going to cover a couple of things domestic, which I want to do. Um, I am going to bill Musa Sissoko because uh, he put my window out with that shot towards the end and I'm not happy. Uh, I don't know what that was. That shot was just... <sighs> Just don't know what you would, of all the people for a ball to drop to in that position. Yeah, it was never going to happen, was it? Bless him. Anywho, right, you know, it was a comedy shot, but it was Mrs. Sissoko. True. Back off someone for a poor shot. Let's have a go at Mbappe for a couple of years. Yeah, that one at the end. I mean, I, I just can't get my wide and just hit that early across the guard. Yeah. Yeah, such is life, such is life. Anywho, um, yeah, we do want to touch on a couple of things domestically because uh, a few a few things have happened in the last couple of days that we just want to mention. Um, Phil, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you on this one. The uh, appointment of at Nice of Christophe Gaultier. Um, can he do it without Luis Campos? Is, is I suppose, the, the question that's going around a lot, but he's gone in at Nice. Uh, it's... it's Quite a big coup, isn't it, really, for Nice, I would suggest, in terms of what they're looking to do with Project Ineos, etc., and so on. They've got decent financing, haven't they, with the Ineos? Just a bit. <laughs> cycling situation. Um, and so I think he was well aware that, obviously, Lille would have lost most of their major players over the summer, being picked off after the, the Ligue 1 win. So... If he'd stayed, he would have been playing in the Champions League with half the squad he'd had previously and their finances are fucked to high heaven. So it made a lot of sense to move and Nice does look like a fairly sensible place to go. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Mm. Um, they do have... Who's the guy that everyone keeps saying, oh, the Niçois, the Niçois. It's the Danish guy, isn't it? Goldberg. Yeah. Mm. Who's had a pretty decent tournament, to be fair, with, uh, yes. with Denmark. And yeah. I don't know if you get this, but French TV, every time he touches the ball, ah, the Niçois, the Niçois. Mm. So, we definitely uh, don't. But, our, but bear in mind, our coverage only no players in the Premier League and anybody else yeah. doesn't exist, so remember that much. No, so I, I think it's... I'm pleased he's staying within Ligue 1, mm, I have to admit, because... It's nice having him around. Uh, and my only other um, statement is uh, free Leo Dubois. <laughs> After yeah, some of the comments Jess was making about, um, you know, team selection and everything, I do think, why pick a guy who is the only specialist right back in the squad and then not? Play. And then not play him. I suppose it's the uh, it's the Jaden Sancho argument of England, isn't it? We don't see what happens in training, etc., and so on. But yeah, um, maybe just bring back uh, Bizonti, Lizarazu at left back. Bring back Bakary Sen. You get the band back together. You know why not? Why not? Indeed. Um, just the other, just quick thing I wanted to mention in terms of domestic football. We should say, dear listener, we are going to preview the new season, of course, closer to the time. Uh, we're going to have a bit of time off, not going to lie. So it's about that, but we're probably going to have most of July off. But we will be back, obviously, with the transfers when they happen. But PSG have been busy, Jess. And um, there is some suggestion that 
they're being busy because they they want to make sure that Kylian Mbappe stays. Which you know, as you say, you've just had your thoughts on on that and potentially him looking to move on. But have you been impressed with their business? Because no matter what we say and however much we want to cover other teams, they're always going to be the the spotlight team. Some good business. Um, Hakimi looks like it's done. Donna rumor being no. done or, or not not done. What what's your thoughts on what they've done so far? And what they've got left to do, I guess. Hakimi looks all right. I haven't seen enough of him, to be honest. I think very, very good. Donnarumma very good. makes absolutely no sense to be great an investment for the future, but completely ruin a very good harmony amongst the, your number one and your number two goalkeepers in the meantime. Did you see his Instagram um, post? Sorry to cut across. Did you see Carol Navas's Instagram post about this? Well, some people said it was more an international issue. Mm. I think it's a convenient international issue, shall we say. But uh, yeah, yeah it does know. push him out, doesn't it, a bit? By the way, they've now got five keepers, I think. Well, Ariola's still theirs, isn't he? They've got Navas, Rico, Ariola, Donnarumma, Innocent, so, yeah. and Bulka. So they've got six <laughs> be decent keepers. Just, just play a team of goalkeepers. <laughs> Yeah, really, really, you know, usual, really sensible. Fine, Donnarumma, good forward planning, but Navas has been probably your best player in the last season. Yeah. Wijnaldum, I think you disagree with me slightly on this, and I know he had a decent enough Euro, but to me, just find it relatively underwhelming. The age profile's weird, I will say that. I think it's, but I, I just think he's a good partner for Marco Verratti if you're going to revamp the midfield. That's just my, if they play him like the Dutch play him and they give him license to go on, I think him and Verratti could be, could be good. But I, I do take your point that. Um, well, yeah, maybe, maybe a better connect. I think there is a gaping, a huge gap between midfield and attack at times. So you can help in that sense. But I still don't think it's a stellar signing for them. Inspiring. I know that he won the Champions League. Yeah. You look at the drop off in his stats of the last two, three years. I think they're quite, quite marked. Um, yeah. I mean, but you know, by all accounts, they're they're going to take advantage of the fact that FFP has sort of been um, thrown out the door. Well, yeah. <laughs> in a manner of speaking. Yeah. With coronavirus, yeah, no, so make sure that they're by the way, today I think is the 10th anniversary of the QSA bought PSG. They want to make up, make sure sport washing is sort of tipped up and, and that they've won, the, they'll be reigning Champions League holders when Qatar hosts the World Cup. Um, but so, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what other money they spend and on whom. But to me, this still doesn't seem like a very well thought out um, transfer window so far. Mm. The Pochettino stuff's gone quiet as well, hasn't it? That was all the talk and now that seems to have calmed and uh, settled down because you, you'd think he would want his own type of players coming in. And there's, a, there's talk of a lot of outs as well. I noticed Pablo Sarabia has been essentially told that he can leave, which I think that's a bit of a weird one because... You give a new contract to Draxler and yet you ship out Sarabia. I know Sarabia is not a player who you look at and go, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's going to light it up and, and change a game. But I actually think he's, he's a very talented footballer, but hasn't really been deployed correctly 
at PSG. And I do feel like that's a bit of a weird one, but they're, they're obviously trying to make some money, so which is kind of ironic given the circumstances. But yeah, they are going to be the the team to watch in terms of uh, transfers. Just to um to wrap up, I'll ask you kind of both in this one. Any other business you've seen at this stage, either clubs like whether it be managerial, whether it be uh, transfer, you know, it, it's gone a little bit quiet in France due to the Euros. But is there is there a team that you've immediately looked at and thought, mm, actually, a few things are happening there? Well, as you know me well, I pay no attention to the transfer market <laughs> until people are actually listed and holding, not even holding the shirt, as in obviously saw with Sebastian Courtier a couple of years ago. So apart from yeah. the Vina Hilton retiring, mm. which is a sad day for all of football, I don't give a shit. I will wait to see who's listed at the beginning of next season. Didn't Montpellier went in the news the other day about not resigning? Who was it? Just help me. Who was it there? Yes. One bell hand about because A, he'll cost too much money and B, apparently someone in the office remembers how that went last time. (laughs) That's that one out the window then. Um, So. Go on then, Jess. Any, any, anybody taken your eye or, or have you looked at it and thought there's a team that may be quietly going about some business while the Euros are distracting everybody not, that you think? Not quietly, but Marseille seems to be linked with practically every player on transfer marks at the moment. You rang my bell. They were exactly the team I was hoping you might go for because <laughs> they do seem to be quite active, don't they? They signed, uh, what's this dude? Conrad, somebody? Brazilian yeah. lad? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Gunduzi seems to be pretty much done all but the you know the actual dot dotting the i's crossing the t's um can we see do you think we can see a, a potential actual title push from a marseille i mean or, no. or a nice under Gautier? Do, do, do you give any other team a chance with psg looking to get the crown back i think it just depends who who signs whom and who holds on to whom mm. well, i can't see marseille being contenders again I'm not sure what their policy is it seems to be extremely young or extremely old and not much in between yeah but just or just picking names out of the hat so again just wait and see who they've actually got yeah window closes Um, I saw that Strasbourg have signed Daniel Congress the kid Stefan's yeah 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 I did see that. There's a there's a couple there's a couple that have gone under the uh, the radar a little bit, and um, and I've also been keeping tabs on the fact that essentially the entire uh, the entire first team of Lorient that anyone who has any talent is being linked with every mediocre English club in in history. So um, you can expect Johan Visser to turn up at uh, Wigan or someone in the near future. Can't wait for that. But yeah, it does seem like um, it does seem like one of those summers that business might get done late, given given the Euros, etc. Well, there we go. Uh, I think that's Adelaide has literally sent a tweet saying, well, basically confirming he's not staying. He's not staying. Okay. Does it, I presume that means potentially the door is open for him to return to Leon and go again then? Well, I don't think he's got a choice. <laughs> no, that's probably a fair point. But didn't he burn? I mean, he burnt a few bridges there, didn't he? It seems like a bit of a yeah. Mm. Does seem a bit of a weird one, but yeah, lot, lots of change going on uh, over the summer. We'll, we'll certainly keep um, top of that. Um, but yeah, it seems as, as good a place to leave it uh, 
as any this summer. It's, it's not been the outcome that we all would have um, hoped for. And I think I think all three of us were a little bit concerned about the uh, overconfidence hyping. I don't know. I think we were all a little bit concerned about what might happen this summer. And unfortunately, what we thought might happen has, has happened and France will not take this silverware. But uh, nevertheless, all good champions will rise again. So hopefully we'll be able to to uh, patch ourselves up and, and go again uh, for the next World Cup. Uh, or indeed, as Joe said, the Nations League, because that's the big one. That's the real one. That's the real quality <laughs> tournament. A uh, little bit of housekeeping then for you listeners. So as I say, we are going to take a bit of a break now for uh, a couple of weeks because um, Jez and I want to get some sunshine runs in. And I'm sure, Phil, you've got plenty of bits and bobs you want to pick up from markets over the summer. I'm sure it's very nice over in France at the moment. So oh, I, I, I bought some good stuff this Sunday. You always pick up the most random things. It's always fun to see what you pick up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a pause. Um, we, we'll be lurking in the background um, with uh, eye holes, cutting newspapers and things like that. We'll be across uh, various park benches checking up on things going on. So we will be around, but we are going to take a pause. I think the plan is we're going to aim to be back kind of end of July time to, to have a little chat about the, the, the wonderful world of transfers and see who has done what. And by then, of course, the Euros will be uh, will be dead and buried. Thank God, anyone but England. And uh, we'll be able to see where the squads are shaking out. And who knows, France might even have a TV deal that isn't full of controversy and bizarreness. <laughs> oh, I mean, we, we can but hope. We can but hope. So uh, you, yeah. you, you hope. I'm the one with the fucking subscriptions over here that I keep having to change and add to to try to actually watch oh god it's hey at least you don't get Jonathan Pierce that's all me and Jess are going to say fair enough you know but yes we will be back and uh, as I say if if you've got any questions in advance then uh, and then pop them in and we'll, we'll make a little bit of a collection box of them ahead of the new season but uh it wasn't the outcome we wanted from France such is life, we'll dust ourselves off and go again. So until the new league R season, which, by the way, boys and girls, is just over a month away. Can you believe it? It's just football, football, football. So uh, enjoy your summers. Uh, do stay safe and, uh, and well uh, amidst uh, the continuing uh, sort of world that, that we live in. It's a fun time. Uh, my thanks to Jez and my thanks to Phil for uh, both your hard work this season and indeed this summer. Uh, we shall be back. So thank you very much to you both. Thank you. And uh, as I say, listener, please do so safe. Enjoy your summers and uh, make sure you behave yourselves and uh, keep on top of those transfers. Uh, enjoy your French football window and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>